This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach Brooke Booth, episode number 51. I'm going to talk about conflict resolution in today's podcast. This is one that I think applies to all marriages, especially Mormon mixed faith marriages. I know when we first entered our mixed faith marriage, it felt like conflict was everywhere. Like conflict abounded. Disagreement about church, authority, God, Book of Mormon, history, how the church spends and saves money, trauma, hiding, sex abuse, all sorts of things, right? The AP article came out this week. I'm sure plenty of conflict in Mormon mixed faith marriages about that. Before we talk about conflict resolution, let's first discuss conflict generally. Because it plays into, like, what we think about conflict plays into how we show up for conflict resolution. And then I want to talk about conflict resolution and then specifically conflict resolution in a Mormon mixed faith marriage. Okay, so let's go. So first, ask yourself, you know, first let's address conflict. So ask yourself conflict. What do I make it mean when we experience conflict? This is a really important question to ask yourself. What do you make it mean when you disagree? What do you make it mean when there's, you know, not on the same page? Sometimes we interpret that as conflict. What do you even make it mean? Like, what does conflict look like? A lot of times, whenever there's people with two opinions, sometimes we interpret that as conflict. So what do you make it mean? Like, what is your definition of conflict? And then what do you make that mean? That the relationship is broken, that you did something wrong, that they did something wrong, that there's a problem. Like, what's the meaning you apply to whatever you're defining as conflict? Because that meaning is going to inform you on how you're going to show up in your marriage. And think, how do you show up? Are you argument avoidant? Do you go in swinging? Do you get defensive? Do you ghost or withdraw? Do you ignore and hope it goes away? I want you to look at that because it can be really helpful to see, one, what's my definition of conflict? What do I even make it mean? When that does happen in our marriage, what do I make that mean? You know, what do I think it's a problem? And then how does that impact how I show up? I want to make a comment on conflict. As you, as you start to explore that, I want you to consider this. All relationships include disagreement or argument to some degree. All relationships include two people where at times they have different conclusions, different opinions. They see things differently. And that's normal and natural. And so it's really important to see how you define conflict, what you describe as conflict, and are you labeling something that's totally normal and natural as conflict? And then are you making that a problem for you? I also want to suggest this about conflict as you think about that. Conflict can be a way to connect. I know that sounds crazy, but stay with me on this. Conflict, you know, depending on how you define it, can mean 
this is an opportunity to seek more understanding, to get to know each other better. This can be an opportunity to open the door to more honesty, more improved communication, to get to know each other on a deeper level and to practice more acceptance, to really allow the other person to be who they are. I think conflict can be a great opportunity for a relationship. But it takes courage to approach conflict that way. But what it also does is it prevents a lot of resentment and it also prevents a lot of superficial relationships. A lot of times when we define conflict as disagreement or not seeing things the same way, it keeps the relationship superficial because we're not willing to explore the conflict. We're not willing to get to know each other and understand the differences more because conflict should be avoided at all costs. So if you avoid conflict or have no conflict in your relationship, maybe your relationship is a little superficial in those areas. Or maybe there's people pleasing. Maybe not, but it could be interesting to look. I think it can be a great skill and asset to any relationship to learn to be okay with conflict. Can you be okay, you know, that having different opinions, seeing things differently can be normal and a good part of a relationship and a wonderful opportunity to practice getting to know each other and to practice communication and a chance to learn more about your spouse and a chance to learn more about you. And that it's not a problem. It's just what's on the table right now. Okay. Those are some general thoughts on conflict. And, and I'll just like to recap. So one, how do you define conflict? And if you make it mean that when we have a difference of opinion or we don't agree on something, what do you, like, I would really question that. I would really question that because it's going to mean every time you have a difference of opinion, that may be a significant problem for you. And that can be a stumbling block for you to really have improved communication and more intimacy in your marriage. Okay, there's my, there's some general thoughts on conflict. But let's, let's talk about conflict resolution. So how to work through conflict in a helpful way is basically my definition of conflict resolution. So I'm going to go through a few ideas, a few tips on how to approach conflict resolution. And then, like I said earlier, we'll apply it to a mixed faith marriage. So number one, communicate more, assume less. So when my husband's mad at me in the past, I've, and frankly, still often today, I go automatically to this is my fault. This is because of something I did. I messed up. But those are all assumptions. Those are all assumptions. In my case, nine times out of 10, there's zero communication going on. I see he's upset and I automatically start assuming my fault. I did something. I messed up. 
And they're negative assumptions. Negative assumptions, often based on fear, nine times out of 10 lead to my own poor behavior. And I'm guessing the same for you. Because now I feel unworthy. I feel unappreciated. And guess what I do from those feelings? I act poorly. I withdraw. I blame. I defend. I justify. I do all sorts of things that that only compounds the underlying conflict. Now we have conflict plus me usually having a little bit of a temper tantrum or starting to, you know, put up walls or starting to become the victim. So communicate more, assume less. So communication from a place of love is the antidote to assumption. So questions like, tell me more what you're experiencing, as opposed to the earlier approach of, it's my fault. Just assuming it's my fault. Communicate more. Tell me more what you're experiencing. Tell me more about this. Here's a good one. I love you so much. I want to talk about what happened earlier because it feels sticky to me and I don't want it to hurt our relationship. Can I share with you how I feel about that? Can you share with me how you feel about that? You can ask all the questions you want. You know, tell me more. Can you share with me? Can I share with you? They can say no, but you can ask all you want. This is what I'm saying. Assume less, communicate more. A lot of times we just assume, oh, I know them so well. And we assume but that's just their assumptions. That's not based on the truth of this particular situation. So if you want to start developing conflict resolution, you have to assume less. I don't care how well you think you know them. Communicate more, assume less. All right, next one. Be honest about what you are experiencing. Because oftentimes the other option here is resentment. So share what's going on with you. This is honesty. We're not talking about pretending or people pleasing. We're just saying share what's going on with you is what is the key here. This is going to prevent a ton of resentment and festering. I'm not saying blame. I'm not saying tear down. I'm not saying complain. I'm just saying share what's going on with you. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm feeling distant. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm telling this to you so I can share with you what's going on with me, not so you can fix it. Sometimes we want to comment on their behavior. We want to be honest about how it's impacting us. So tell the truth about their behavior. Sometimes our partner's behavior is bad. Sometimes they're rude or short or mean and be honest and talk about it because the other option is to bottle it up and let it fester. So I thought it was rude when you spoke to me that way. I thought it was disrespectful to talk to the kids about me in that way. You know, I've I've been feeling like you've been demeaning. Can we talk about what's going on? It's really important in conflict resolution to be honest about what you're experiencing And if you notice and and how I couch this, like, I thought it was rude. I thought it was disrespectful. I feel like this is not 
this is not attacking blaming language. This is you just sharing your experience. And the purpose of sharing your experience about their behavior is not to beat them up, is to not paint them as the bad guy, but it's to open up and have a real conversation about what's going on. Many times when there is bad behavior, we ignore it, we pretend it didn't happen, we don't talk about it, we don't address it. And what's interesting is a lot of time bad behavior on our spouse's part or on our own part is there for a reason. There's a saying I like, hurt people hurt people. So if your spouse is acting kind of poorly, it probably means they're not feeling their best. Or if you're acting poorly, it probably means there's something underneath that. There's hurt below that. So it can be a really great opportunity to dig in a little bit. And I'm not talking about smashing dirt in their face, but this is an opportunity to support them in their pain. Ignoring it and just like ignoring the bad behavior and ignoring that is also a way we ignore our spouse's pain. Because nine times out of 10, if there's bad behavior, there's pain underneath that. So part of conflict resolution, being honest with what you're experiencing, you know, one, what you're feeling, and also what you're experiencing as you know, the recipient of their behavior is really important because it can be an opportunity to support them in their hurt and to explore that with them and to see what's really going on. Okay, next one, conflict plan. Conflict plans aren't always needed. They work really well for some couples. So I want to give you the idea here in case it's something that you might be interested in trying. Basically what it is, is when conflict arises, you have a plan already in place for how you're going to address it as a couple. And you can even have a conflict plan for yourself as an individual. If, you're, if your partner's not super interested in something like this, you can just come up with your own plan. When there's conflict, this is what I'm going to do. One helpful way is you might even have a questionnaire, like a list of things to do when conflict arises, because sometimes when conflict arises, we become emotionally triggered and our prefrontal cortex turns off and we just start reacting and acting from, you know, that primitive part of our brain instead of that prefrontal part. So it can be helpful to go to a plan. So we're not just reacting to our emotions. So it can be helpful to have a questionnaire of sorts. It might say things like this. I'm upset because the story I'm telling myself is fill in the blank. I feel this emotion when I tell myself that story. Fill in the blank. I need to process fill in the blank emotion. And I will do that at this time. This is a plan. Do you see you have, and this is a very simple plan. You know, you get really clear on why you're upset. You identify the emotion and then you make, you, you decide when you're going to process it. Very, very simple plan. You can come up with more elaborate plans if you want. Now, my husband and I have another really simple technique that's a type of conflict plan is we have a code word for when we're kind of emotionally 
losing it. We're emotionally triggered. And we just say we're in the weeds here. And that basically means we've gone off. This conversation has gone off topic. We're no longer doing anything solution oriented. We're no longer adding value to the relationship. And now we're usually off in the weeds means I'm emotionally not able to show up in a helpful way anymore. So it can help us to just take a second and regroup and pull ourselves together or to just say, okay, to be continued, let's take a rain check. We need to individually work through some things. So they can be as complicated as a bullet point or it can be as simple as a code word. Think about that. It could be a helpful tool, a good conflict plan is to really help you get curious and open up and have communication and not shut it down. Okay, the next one I want to talk about is right versus happy. This is a really, really big one. Often we want to be right at the expense of our happiness or at the expense of the connection we enjoy in our relationship. Often we want to be right and shove it in our spouse's face. Our spouse's face. I've been there. And and I'm not saying be a doormat and let things go unsaid or unchecked. I mean, we addressed that earlier. We need to be really honest. Letting people get away with rude and disrespectful behavior is not what I'm talking about here. This is much more about prioritizing values. So if you think about your values, is being right a value? For some people it is. And connection is a value for many people. And for me, connection is a more important value than me being right and proving my rightness. So when I talk about be right versus happy, a lot of times this comes down to me prioritizing my values. And it's more important to create connection than for me to prove I'm right in any given situation. This one can be hard to let go of. We really like to be right as humans. We like to show people we're right. We like to be like, see, I was right. And that's okay. But if it comes at the expense of your connection, that's where it's important to look at. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about regarding conflict resolution is commitment. This is one of the most important skills or things to apply in conflict resolution is commitment. Because what commitment means is you show up again and again and again and again. This is often what's needed when there's conflict is because what we want to do, for me especially, is withdraw, bail, leave, check out, go on my phone, whatever. But like not be present and not continue. Now, I realize sometimes you do need to honestly step out and process emotions and work through things. But a lot of times we just want to check out because we're frustrated and angry. And we're like, I'm done. And and it's, it's a way we're reacting to our emotions instead of really engaging with our spouse. So commitment means we stay there. And this takes so much courage and this takes so much vulnerability. Being willing to reach out 
again and again and again. This is part of one. Communicate instead of assume is usually fueled by commitment. Are you willing to just stay there and keep reaching out and keep asking those questions and keep sharing and keep trying to communicate even if you get shot down or it's rejected or they don't appear interested? And I'm not talking about being annoying and forcing them to talk, but are you willing to keep making those requests? And this can be over time. I'm not talking about in one conversation. Sometimes things need to chill for a minute, but then are you willing to bring it back up and come back to the table and really address the things that need to be addressed? Commitment shines in conflict. It Commitment is what's needed in conflict because so often with conflict, we just want to escape. I think conflict is often really the test of commitment. Like it really shows you how committed you are. Are you willing to show up again and again and try again and again and again? Okay, let's apply this to Mormon mixed faith marriage. And we'll talk about each of these things in turn. So I'm going to talk about it in the context of something that's tender for my husband. His tender spot is that three of our four kids choose not to attend church. So this is a potential conflict. So very first question we talked about was like conflict. What do you make it mean? So what do I make it mean that we disagree about, you know, kids attending church? So for me, and this is taking me some work, but I'm, I like to think of it now in this place of we experience differentiation here. We can disagree about what our kids should be doing on any given Sunday morning, but we can still connect. We can still relate to each other. We can still have a great relationship, even though we disagree about this. Okay, communicate more, assume less. For a long time, you know, he'd go Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we'd never talk about the kids or what he was feeling or what I was feeling. And it was just sort of like this low-grade like rumbling and that I consider that usually a low-grade resentment or a low-grade frustration and so we had to have those conversations you know and I remember one where he tells me this this hurts actually the podcast recently like this hurts I don't like this this isn't what I would want And I can acknowledge that and hear him and see him and like be with him for that. But that doesn't mean I need to solve it for him. That's very different. A lot of times in relationships, we think our job as our partners or as a spouse is to solve their emotions and to solve. And that's not often the case. I can't solve the underlying disagreement here. And I want to suggest to you that being heard and seen is big. And a lot of times it's bigger than resolving the underlying disagreement. And even if it's not, sometimes it's enough. Sometimes it's enough. Okay, be honest. Be honest. Share honestly. This is is a bit of a two-way street here. 
So part of it is letting him be honest with me and being able to receive that and being able to hold, like, not melt down in that. Letting him be honest. And this is what I tell myself. I'd rather know the truth about what he's really experiencing than having him paint a false picture for me. Because the truth is what I want to know about him. I don't want him to to pretend to be somebody he's not around me. The truth is what I want to hear. I want him to be honest because I know that ultimately connects us. Then I also need to be honest, right, about what I'm feeling. And, you know, like with the kids, I'm there's some relief. I'm, I'm honestly relieved that I don't have to worry about some of the stuff that they would be hearing at church. It's not comfortable for me to hear his point of view. It's not comfortable for him to hear my point of view. But that's not the point. The point is that we're honest and we're not pretending with each other. And we're not playing those games, but we're very clear about where we are. And we're knowing each other and we're seeing each other exactly where we are. Conflict resolution a lot of times isn't about the resolution part. It's just about seeing where we are very clearly and being okay. And knowing that we can still be in relationship with each other. Okay, the right or the happy. I can offer him all the reasons why they shouldn't go. Like I could be right about this so easily. AP articles, all sorts of things. I could just hammer him with the reasons why I'm right. And the same for him. He could hammer me of all the reasons why he's right. But I don't because in this situation, being right here doesn't help my happiness. Now, I'm not saying share genuine concerns. That's, I think, important. But sometimes just being right isn't super healthy. Like, for instance, if you have genuine concerns, like this AP article came out about sexual abuse this week. And if you have genuine concerns about your children's safety, I think it's important to talk about that and to take practical safety measures. But for instance, in my relationship with my husband, we've had that conversation. Like way before my faith transition, we had conversations about safety concerns, about leaving our kids, you know, in places where we couldn't watch them. We've already put in place a lot of practical safety measures that we're both comfortable with. So for me to bring that up again and harp on it is just me being right and not me seeking happiness and connection in this relationship. So please share things out of genuine concern. But if it's just you want to be right versus happy, I would take a closer look at that. Okay, commitment. So this like kids and, and he's, it's his tender spot. So what I do is I keep initiating conversations when I sense things are sticky. You know, what's going on here? Tell me more. This takes a ton of courage. You know, help me understand. I I know this is uncomfortable for you. Like, where are you? Where are you? Do you want to talk about it? Can I share with you where I'm at? You have to keep initiating conversations and keep that doorway open. That's what commitment does. And like I said earlier, it takes so much courage. 
And a lot of times with courage is we're not super comfortable, rarely comfortable when we're exercising courage. But it's so necessary. So give yourself some time with this because what happens is if you're developing the skill of conflict resolution, I want you to think about it in like this multi-step way. First, commitment. You're committed to the skill, committed to develop, developing it, committed to the relationship. And then the next step is often courage. And courage is never comfortable. We have to get outside and it's a little stretch outside our comfort zone, uncomfortable practicing new things and trying new things. And it's, it's, it's a place of vulnerability. And then after that, we start to step into capability. We start to get better at it. And then after that, we can step into some confidence where we're really getting the skills down and we're able to do these things with much more comfort and ease. First, you have to start with commitment. Then you stepped into courage and commitment and courage are not super comfortable. So give yourself space for that. And I also want you to consider this. A lot of times the conflict resolution The conflict itself doesn't need to be resolved. But a lot of times part of conflict resolution is just that the partners do need to be heard and and the issues need to be clearly seen and acknowledged and on the table between the two people so they can be managed. A lot of times it's more of a management than a complete resolution and that's okay. But if things aren't completely on the table, they're really hard to manage. And that's where resentment and frustration build up. So a lot of these things, you know, assuming less and communicating more, being super honest, having a conflict plan, you know, reaching for connection or happiness instead of being right. These are things to help you put everything on the table so you can manage it together as as a couple or manage it as best you can on your own so that things don't disintegrate and lead to contempt or lead to defensiveness or lead to those things that cause real lasting harm to your marriage So conflict resolution is one of those things I want you to look at where you're not necessarily going for the perfect solution. A lot of times, though, you're just moving into a better space. You're moving into more a management place. Like back to the issue with my husband and the kids, one goes to church, three don't. This isn't a solution for him where he's going to be like, oh, this is lovely. I want to stay here forever. But we can get to the place where we can manage it together as a couple and where it doesn't have to mean that we can never connect and move forward in this relationship. Okay, that's what I've got for you today about conflict resolution. If you want more, if you need more support, there's lots of ways of getting that. I am all about offering tons of support to Mormons in mixed faith marriage. I have a group program starting at the end of September. That might be a great fit for you. I do one-on-one coaching. 
You can always join my email list. I have a lot of free resources on my website that are available to help you. And I would go there and get some of those. Get the help you need for your marriage in any form you can get it. Get it because your marriage is worth whatever investment you make in it. And you're worth the investment as well. Skills you learn as you invest and develop your marriage will help you also grow and develop as a person. It's just win-win when you do work like this. All right, wishing you the best.